How many of you are uh, water sports people or you like to be on the water? Okay, a few of you. I honestly could live on the water. I, I uh, could buy a sailboat and go live on Lake Michigan. That would be fun. Um, when I was between my freshman year and my, my sophomore year of college, uh, all my buddies from high school wanted to get together and do a canoe trip. And uh, I, I like canoeing. Um, it's fun. It, it uh, is a challenge because you have to do it in tandem with somebody else. Um, it makes it even more difficult when your friends are all doing something that you used to do that you no longer do, um, and that makes it that much more of a challenge. And so we were going down one of the fastest rivers in the lower peninsula of Michigan, and uh, we, we were camping and getting ready to go, and, uh, and so the guys were doing their thing, and God had that freshman year in college gotten a hold of my heart and transformed my life and removed the desire that I had once had for some of this activity that they were doing, and and, uh, and, and I was really struggling before all of this, knowing this is what they wanted to do, knowing this is what was going to happen. God, do, do you want me to go on this? You've changed my life. These guys don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. So, so do you want me to go? Do you want me to be a part of it? And, and I really wrestled through that, really struggled through that. Because I did not want to get sucked back into that life. I did not want to get sucked back into doing those things. And, and so, um, I, and God was very clearly directing me, I want you to go. I want you to go, and I want you to be a light to your friends. I want you to do whatever is necessary in order to, to share Jesus with them. And so I went, and uh, in the morning that we were going to go canoeing, the guys were getting loaded up in the canoes and loaded up in their belly, and uh, you, you all know what I'm talking about, and uh that combination is not fun on a river, especially a fast river and a river that has lots of switchbacks and turns and has all kinds of, of just challenges uh, that are on it. And, and I, I thought, what, what am I doing? I, okay, God, I'm, I'm obeying you. I don't know what's going to happen. Would you just let me and my friends live through this? So we get on the river, and we're going down the river, and it's crazy fast, and we're going as fast as I felt like we could go, and uh, we came around a curve, and a tree was right across the river at the height of the canoe, just above the canoe. Um, my friend got knocked out of the canoe, and somehow I jumped out of the canoe and, and was able to help him get to shore I don't know how all the other guys missed it, but they missed the tree somehow. And that morning, um, my friend was laying on the beach, and I was sitting there with him. And, and, uh, and it was really obvious that, that I was not taking part in what they were doing. So much so that that night when we all got back to our campsite, the guys began to ask me, Hey, what, what is, what's going on with you? Like, you're, you don't talk the same way you used to talk. You're not doing the same things that you used to do. What, what is going on with you? And, and I had the opportunity in that moment, I said, I met somebody. And they were all like, oh, I see. You met a girl, and she's changed your life. And I'm like, yeah, actually, that's part of it. Uh, thank God for 
bringing uh, Daisha into my life, and she loved Jesus and still loves Jesus and still, you know, still influences my life. But I was like, no, 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 I, I met, yes, I met somebody, but the somebody I met, his name is Jesus, and he transformed my life. And I got to share with those guys about this life, and they, they not only heard about it, they saw it in, in me. And, and I had the opportunity to share it with them. Now, I will say to you, some of them wanted to dive deeper into that conversation, but most of them were like, oh, that's nice, good for you. And, and, and yet, I still believe, to this day, me going on that trip was, all, was worth it, even if only one of them was willing to listen to what God had done in my life. And, and so I was a part of it. Instead of sitting on the shore waiting for them or doing whatever it was that I was going to be doing on the shore, probably following them along and, and yelling at them because of what was going on, I didn't do that. I got into the canoe and I did the canoeing with them. And it was scary and it was crazy. And yet I'm so glad that I did. We're living in a day and time that we are speedily going down a river of doom. That it feels like around us, it seems like it is all around us. The current of this river seems like and is getting faster and faster and more dangerous and more dark. And, and it just feels like the whole world is, is just coming in on us. And you and I as Followers of Jesus have a choice to make, even though it's getting crazier and crazier. Do we get in the canoe, the, the canoe of life, and paddle the way God has instructed us to paddle in helping others also be able to navigate the craziness of the troubled waters that we see in our culture? Or are we going to stand on the shore and, and yell and scream and throw truth bombs out and hope somehow that's going to make a difference? The, the reality is, is that that never makes a difference. The only difference that it makes is it turns people more and more away from the Lord than it does to cause them to, to want to be in relationship with God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because church, we are messing it up in our culture. And it's not because we don't have the truth, and it's not because we don't know Jesus. It's because of our approach to this culture in which we live that is, yes, going down a river of craziness. And you and I do not, should not, pick the option to stand on the shore and yell and scream and shout and throw truth stones, truth bombs at the people passing by. We need to get into the river, wade into the river, paddle in the canoe of life, and help people, even those who maybe don't paddle like we paddle, but help those who paddle like we paddle or similarly to it, and help those who don't. Because this world desperately needs to know and see Jesus. That is why we've been asking this question, how's your soul? Because the, the condition of your soul is vital to being able to navigate the waters of this culture. It's vital. And so how is your soul? We, we've been talking about indicators of our, our soul's health. Why? 
Because it's vital to understand the condition and the health of your soul so that you can survive and thrive in the culture in which we live, in the world in which we live, and be a light for Jesus. Listen, here's what we need to understand. We cannot do it apart from Christ. We, we will drown every time. Because there are going to be times where there are going to be trees going across this river that are going to knock us silly. And it's not just from the culture. It can be from one another. It can be from the experience of, of so many in this last couple of weeks of, of losing a loved one. There are so many things. We cannot do this apart from Christ. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, we, we live in a world where the majority of people don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And yet, they have a soul that longs to be satisfied, a soul that is hungry for God. They just don't know it yet. They just don't know it yet, and they're trying everything they can to fill the God-shaped hole in their soul with everything that they can imagine because they're just not sure what the answer is. So I'll try this, and I'll try that, and I'll live this way, and I'll identify that way, and, and we do all of these things. Why? To fill a God-shaped hole in our soul. And we think that, that somehow the world should know that and be able to articulate the way that we articulate what that means and what that looks like. They do not have the Holy Spirit of God in them. How can they possibly articulate what you and I know from the Word of God without the Holy Spirit of God in them, without knowing Jesus? When you and I, as followers of Jesus, struggle to articulate that. I, well, at least I do. Because there's times where I'm just like going, God, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't, I don't feel you. What is happening? Can you imagine living your life completely separated from knowing Jesus? Can you imagine what your life would be like if you did not have the Holy Spirit of God living in you? That is the world in which we live. That is the majority of people that are around us. They do not know Jesus and they do not have the Holy Spirit of God. And they are grasping at straws trying to fill the void in their soul that only can be filled by God. Psalm 107, 8 and 9. This was our theme verse back when we were doing the How's Your Soul series part. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, his wondrous works to the children of man. He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. God is the only one that can satisfy the hungry soul. God is the only one that can satisfy the longing soul. You and I have that understanding. So what are we going to do with it? 
That's why we're asking this question, how's their soul? Because the reality is, is that every single individual on this planet has a soul, and their soul is hungry, their soul is longing, their soul wants to be in relationship with God, and yet everything they're filling up their life with is not producing the righteousness of God in them. See, the indicators of your soul are the same indicators of their soul. So, so if you're going, I, I, I don't remember what all the indicators are. Well, go back to, I think it was the week after Easter, we began doing these and uh, rewatch all of them. Like, I don't have time for that. Yes, you do. You make time for what you want to make time for. You calendar what you want to calendar for. So don't tell me you don't have time. You have time. You have the same 24-7 as everybody else. Just saying. So what, what, what do we got to do? We got to be the church every day, everywhere. Because guess what? The church is Jesus, is God's chosen vehicle to deliver the good news of his son Jesus to the world in which we live. And it's, um, it is messed up. Is the church perfect? No. Why? Because you and I are in it. And we're not perfect, and we don't do it perfectly, but we strive to be the church every day, everywhere, not the building. You can't pick up this building and take it over to Wall. You can't pick this building up and take it to Walmart. You can't pick up this building and take it to Sterling Schools or Rockville Schools or any other place around. But what you can take is every single one of us going to our little world and being the church every day, everywhere. You, my friend, are the church. I am the church. If we have Jesus as our Savior, we are the church. So let's be the church every day, everywhere. Turn to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. The people of God are in a culture that is completely set against God. The Babylonians have taken them into captivity, and they, there is everything that they are trying to do to erase God from culture, erase God from the people of God, erase the thinking of God, the, the understanding of God, the practices of God. Remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These guys are all alive and well in this same time period as Jeremiah is prophesying and and yet there are some false prophets who have come to these people and said to them oh your exile in 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 this place is only going to be a short little bit don't settle down don't don't uh don't get settled in be a troublemaker rage against the system be a person standing on the shore yelling screaming and casting truth bombs into the culture because that's going to work Wrong answer. Look at look at what look at what Jeremiah, the prophet of God, says in verse four. Verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from God sent them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Why? Because they were disobeying God. They were not being the light to the world 
that Abraham had been called to and that the people of God had been called to, they were not doing that, and God let them be taken into captivity. So he sent them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Notice what he says. Build houses and live in them. That's cool. Build houses and live in them. At least he didn't say build houses and stand by outside and look at them and go, oh, wow. Isn't that cool? Like you read that and you just kind of go, why is that in there? Because it just is in there to make sense. Build a house and live in it. Duh. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Woohoo! Verse 6, take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage. I don't know about that part. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Check this out, verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Wait, what? You want us to do what? And the reason why he tells them that is because later on he's going to tell them, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. Not like these false prophets are telling you. There's these guys that are telling you, only, oh, it's only going to be a couple of years. Just don't just hold on. Don't, don't get whatever. Don't get involved in the culture. Don't, don't, don't do any of that stuff. Throw stones. Be against the machine. Go against the system. No, he says, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. So build some houses. Build some gardens. Get married. Have kids. Settle in. And... Most importantly, verse 7, seek the welfare of the city. Do you know what that word welfare is? It's the word shalom. Shalom. Do you know what that word means? Peace. Be a peacemaker in the city in which I have exiled you to. Be a peacemaker. Seek the welfare of that city. Think about who's in that city. King Nebuchadnezzar's in that city. The Babylonian people are in that city. Their other brothers and sisters are in that city. Be a peacemaker to that city. That word shalom, it means peace, it means safety, it means health, it means prosperity, it means, it means, it means wholeness. Bring wholeness, bring health, bring peace, bring all of these things to the city in which you are exiled to. And then he goes once he goes a step further. Pray to the Lord on behalf of the city. Pray to the Lord on behalf of the city. Pray to the Lord on behalf of King Nebuchadnezzar. Pray to the Lord on behalf of the Babylonians. Pray to the Lord on behalf of your brothers and sisters in this city. Be a peacemaker. Be a prayer warrior for the city in which you live. God, you want us to take up residence, live there, seek peace, and pray for our captors? Are you, what? Why should that surprise them? God has asked the people of God to do some pretty crazy stuff throughout history. Hey, guys. 
Go, there's that big city, its name's Jericho, it's got large walls. I want you to go in, I want you to go around that six times and blow some trumpets and horns. And on the seventh day, I want you to go around it seven times and yell and scream and shout, and the walls are going to come down. Huh? What? What? There's a big sea in front of you. Oh, there's an army behind you. Oh, don't worry, I'll divide the sea and you guys are going to walk across on dry land. What? That's crazy. Why, why does it surprise them? It shouldn't. He's calling them, be a peacemaker in the midst of the city. Be, be a, a person who, who brings peace to the city. Pray for the city. Because in its peace and its welfare, you will find yours. Wow. I had the opportunity to go to a communist country a few years ago, and myself and and another youth pastor from the area went, and we were going into the underground churches. Okay, they're not churches that are underground, they're they're secret. That's, That's why they call them that. They're secret churches all over this city, hundreds of them. Because they can only meet in pockets of 20 and 30 people without drawing attention to themselves. Because if they drew attention to themselves, they would be, the pastor of that church would be thrown into prison for sure. And the people would be tortured. And we were there to minister to the pastors of these underground churches. And we had an opportunity to sit down at lunch with a group of them. Every single pastor around that table had been in prison at least a year and a half of his life. For what? For preaching the name of Jesus. That's it. And, and so the one, the one house church that we went to, we, we were like, what? Do, the, do they know about this? And, and the pastor said, oh yeah, they're fully aware that we're here. Then why haven't they done something? And here's what he said to me, and it blew me away. He said, because we as a body of Christ, we go out and we are being the church every day, everywhere in our community. And the secret police and the communist police see that, and they see the impact that we're having on people's lives by meeting needs around us, doing things that that nobody else is doing, being willing to, to, to take on stuff that no one else has taken on, and they're seeing the benefit that they're having in their community, and they're turning a blind eye to this one in particular house church, underground church in this community. I'm like, wow. Be a peacemaker. Seek the welfare of the city. Pray for the city, and in it, you will find your welfare because of the welfare of the city. Be the church every day, everywhere. You know, Jesus also did this very same thing. Jesus waded into the river of his culture and he paddled the canoe of his life along with a whole bunch of other people and they did it in some really different and weird ways that went against the culture. Like, for example, in Mark chapter 2, we don't have time to go there, but Mark chapter 2, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Jesus, he has called Levi, who is Matthew, who is a 
tax collector who is hated by everybody to come follow me, Jesus says. And Matthew lays down his practice, follows Jesus, and invites Jesus to his house for a meal. By the way, one of the greatest ways that Jesus and his disciples reached the culture in which they lived, get this, sitting down and eating a meal. How hard is that? Sit down, eat a meal, invite your neighbors over. Sit down, have a meal, invite your coworkers over. If you don't, if you don't like your, your house, do it at a park. I, I, there's lots of places to go eat. Eat a meal. Jesus and his disciples did this over and over again. And guess what? The Pharisees were upset. Oh, imagine that. They're upset. Why is Jesus eating with sinners? What is he doing? How dare he? He's eating with publicans and tax collectors and and others, the Bible says. How awful. Jesus said to them, I did not come for those who do not need a doctor. I came for those who are sick. I came for the sinners. They would call him later on a friend of sinners, which was to be derogatory, but that's Jesus. Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jeremiah is telling the people of God, hey, be a peacemaker in your city. Why? Why, why do that? Check out verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, I will re- fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, back to the land of, 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 of the promised land. For I know the plans I have for you. We often use verse 11 for a lot of different things in our lives. It's one of the most popular verses in all of scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart I will be found by you declares the Lord and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all places where I have driven you declares the Lord and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile the beauty of this passage is not only is Jeremiah talking about what's going to happen after 70 years but he is pointing forward to Jesus Christ coming back again Jesus coming to, not just coming back again, but coming to the earth to pay the penalty for their sin and and to bring them together. And then he even points even further to a point that Jesus is going to return and take all of us who know him, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and you and I who remain shall be caught up with them and meet Jesus in the air. Listen, my friend, what we need to understand is the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. You and I know that. You and I should be believing that. And what we need to do is go out into this city, out into our world, and tell them that the best is yet to come because Jesus Christ is alive and he loves you and he loves every single human being on this planet. And his desire is for every single one of them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus will take us all to be with him one day. Hallelujah. 
Man, let's get excited about some stuff up in here. It is time that we understand the day is drawing closer. Jesus is going to return. Every moment that we're alive is one step closer to Jesus coming back again. We do not know the day and the hour. We do not know the time. That is none of our business. I don't know why we get all wrapped up in that. What we're supposed to get wrapped up in is that the world needs Jesus, and you and I have the answer for the world. That's what you and I are called to do, not figure out, oh, well, I think Jesus is coming back in October. Well, you know what? You're a false prophet. I'm just saying. Somebody tells you, oh, I think Jesus is coming back in 2023. That's a lie. You, you cannot say that you know that. Because even Jesus said, I don't know the day and the hour. The only one who knows that's the Father. Jesus is coming back, my friends, and you and I must help everyone Know that Jesus is coming again. The question is, oh man. The question is, is are we willing to be a blessing to our city? Am I willing to be a peacemaker in our city? I, I want to just talk about two ways that we're providing for you to do that. One is sharing and caring event that's coming up at the end of, well, actually the middle of August, August 12th, 11th and 12th. There is information about it at the Welcome Center. There's information on the website. There's information over at the Sign Up Central. Get involved and be a part of it. We need helpers. We need people who are willing to be those that are helping with um, sorting helping with drop-off every Sunday, every Monday, every Thursday, starting June the 11th. Another th thing that we're doing is Habitat for Humanity, helping build a home for a family in Dixon. It's next Saturday, 8 to 2 o'clock. Where are you at, Ron? Ron's right back there. If you want to talk to Ron, raise your hand again, buddy. Ron's right there, so if you want to talk to him, listen, you do not have to know how to do plumbing and carpentry and all that other stuff. Um, if you're like me, you can just pick up a bag of something or a piece of wood or whatever and just be a grunt. I've, I'm a great grunt because I don't know anything. Um, so I can help with that. So get involved. Habitat for Humanity signed up on that. That's just two things. There's so many others. Um, why are we doing that? To build a bridge of peace to the city so that we can introduce them to Jesus. That, that's it. Why are we doing sharing and caring? Why, why are we doing Habitat? Why are we doing other things like that? To build a bridge to our city for peace. For the ultimate purpose of helping them see and hear and know Jesus. It's not about them get, coming here. It is not. Listen, y'all, in, in the Sauk Valley, there are 30-some thousand individuals in the Sauk Valley, according to a recent survey that was done, there is 30-some thousand people in the Sauk Valley that do not know Jesus as their Savior. 30,000 people cannot fit in this building. Do, do, you know, we, for kicks and giggles, we decided to, 
to, to just see how many services would it take to actually reach that many people? Anyone want to take a guess on a Sunday morning how many it would? 110 services on a Sunday morning. But you know what I know? Is what if 110 churches in Sterling, Rock Falls, Dixon, Milledgeville, Prophetstown, all bought in and said, you know what? I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to represent Jesus. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to do what I got to do to help people come to know Jesus. That's doable. Just saying. So what can we do? Be a peacemaker to the city. Let's pray. God, you're good. Thanks for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you for what you're going to do in and through each one of us being the church every day, everywhere. God, um, thank you for your love. Thank you for demonstrating that through Jesus. If there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today, right now, they would put their faith and trust in Christ and that they would walk out of here knowing they have a relationship with Jesus. For those of the rest of us, God, would you help us to make a decision to be a peacemaker or to be a stone thrower? God, I pray that you would help us not to be like the Pharisees, not to be like the Sadducees, not to be like those religious leaders who all they did was throw stones. God, would you help us to be like Jesus? Our world desperately needs Jesus. We, I, desperately need Jesus every moment of every day. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name.